prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Would help if I open my microphone, right? <clears throat> hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. We're going to have a really fascinating show for you. We're going to talk about peptides in a way that it's never been talked about before. Everybody repeats science. We all talk, oh, this does that. But there are very few people who are on the bleeding edge of peptide technology. Uh, my next guest is like the Cyrano de Bergerac of peptides. He doesn't get any credit at all, but everybody uses his stuff and makes it sound like it's their own, and we're going to share some information that you've probably never heard before. We're going to be talking to Justin Kirkland today, and he is a biochemist uh, of, of amazing quality. He invents stuff, he patents stuff, and then other companies go out and sell it, and you think they were the geniuses behind it when, in fact, it was Justin Kirkland. And what we're going to talk about in the way of peptides today is not anything that any other peptide a person who's going to talk about because these are iterations of things that start in Justin's brain and then he makes them into realities. Nothing, nothing like it. So before we get started with that, I have to, of course, thank uh, a company that makes this show possible, and that's Legendary Foods. And Legendary Foods just introduced their new sweet roll. They come in cinnamon, chocolate, and wild berry. If you've been in the airport and thought to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to cut loose. I'm going to have a Cinnabon. I know I'm going to feel crappy for like six days after that, but I just need that taste, that sugar, that that softness. You can do it now without guilt. Legendary Foods' new sweet rolls are exactly like a cinnamon Cinnabon, a chocolate Cinnabon, or a wild berry Cinnabon. But get this, 20 grams of high-quality dairy protein, one gram of sugar, five net carbs. So you can stay in your lane. Feel good after eating them, but enjoy the decadence of eating something as as tasty as a cinnamon bun. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary. Use the code SHR10, not just for the 10% off, but to let them know that their advertising dollars are paying off when they advertise on Superhuman Radio. Check them out. And don't forget, while you're there, check out the uh, legendary tasty pastry, which, which was a modified version of a Pop-Tart. Once again... 20 grams of high-quality pro, high protein, uh, less than one gram of sugar, and four to five net carbs, depending on the flavor. Again, shrnetwork.biz slash legendary, code SHR10. Use that code. Get yourself not only cinnamon, the, the uh, cinnamon sweet rolls, I'm sorry, uh, but also the tasty pastry. And buy enough for your kids, too, because once they taste them, they're going to want to take them to school with them. And now, without further delay, get my guest on here. Open up his microphone. How you doing, Justin? Hey, I'm doing real good. Uh, thanks for having me today, Carl. How, how'd you like that Cyrano de Bergerac of the peptide? Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was quite the introduction for sure. Yeah, I actually read that book when I was in seventh grade, and it's always stuck with me because he did all these wonderful things, but he didn't get the credit for it and, if, and didn't get the love from the woman he was writing the poetry for on behalf of somebody else. Right. That's it. So, so let's start with your pedigree. Give me a, give me a picture of of your journey, where did you start when you started to get into biological sciences? 
I mean, uh, yeah, it's been my whole life. I mean, I've been a, a, a wanting to be a scientist for as long as I can remember. I mean, I got the little chemistry kit when I was uh, in grade school and climbing trees and looking at birds, eggs, and nests and trying to study science, um, you know, yeah, the forever. Only, the only thing I was able to success, successfully do with that chemistry set was make that sulfur-smelling fart gas. Right. And my mother hated me for it because we lived in a three-room apartment and you couldn't go anywhere to get away from that smell when I made it. So that's funny. That's awesome. We all started there, I guess, huh? So uh, Yeah, you, for sure. You you went to medical school in Belize, right? I did, yeah. I took uh, – that was just a few years ago, um, you know, working in, in medicine and with peptides for a long time. I, I decided – Hey, I, I kind of understand how these things work. Maybe I could uh, become a doctor and treat patients with them. And I did a few semesters of medical school in Belize and decided that, um, I would actually reach more patients and, 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 you know, um, help more people, be able to treat more patients, help more people by developing drugs and drug delivery systems versus actually just being a doctor working one on one with a patient. So, uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I've got a lot of great stories. I actually, um, I uh, got to participate in an autopsy of a retiree, American right retiree that died when I was down there. They used the medical school to perform the, the, the autopsy. And so that was a wild experience. I bet. So it, without naming names, it's safe to say that many of the larger compounding pharmacies you've done work for in order to develop some of their dr- their products and peptides, right? Yeah. So I've worked for a couple of compounding pharmacies in the U.S. and was hired to develop products either manufacture them or develop them, uh, educate doctors. I've spoken at a lot of different conferences, part of the A4M staff on some of the peptide education. And so I'd split my time. They've always been really interesting jobs because I get my lab time. So I get to do the hands-on lab work. Um, I get to help with education. I get to interact with doctors and and understand how they're, you know, get their perspective on how they're treating their patients. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of, it was the best of all the worlds. Yeah. And, and, and it's safe to say that you hold some amazing patents. Uh, some may be pending, maybe others uh, are patents. But you're, you're just not about peptides. I mean, you have a wide variety of interests. Talk about some of the peptides that people would be thrilled to hear about. I mean, uh, patents that you, you work on. Yeah, I mean, so some of the patents, um, the first patent I was awarded was a um, formulation patent um, about micronizing droplets. And so that was used in the CBD space originally. And you look at, um, you know, CBD and the cannabinoids being lipophilic, they're not very orally active. And we came up with some ways that one of the companies I was consulting for to make them disperse better, make them be more bioavailable. Um, and so, yeah, from there I went on to, um, the patent, I guess, um, that's been the most successful is one on how to make brominated LSD um, without making LSD. And, and, you know, in the last few years, there's definitely been a lot of psychedelic companies come onto the market. And and that industry hasn't been around for a long time in that kind of pharmaceutical capacity. And so when we originally looked at brominated LSD for treating cluster headaches, it was just way too much overhead to actually handle a Schedule One drug. So um, I came up with a process to avoid... Um, handling the controlled substance and, and got a patent that was actually able then to um, transfer to a, a pharmaceutical company that's developing the drug. 
So what's the advantage of a brominated LSD without making LSD? I don't, I don't, how do you do Yeah, that? so there's, there's, a, there's a couple points. So the brominated LSD is not psychedelic. It's not a psychoactive compound. And it, it appears certainly in some um, studies at universities and now going into clinical trials that it'll treat things like cluster headaches, potentially major depressive disorders. So it looks like it's a really active medicinal compound, but handling a, a getting the, license and facility to manufacture a kilogram of LSD requires, you know, millions of dollars of just security just to be able to do that. And I have worked in some of those facilities where, you know, you're, th- th- there's 30 cameras that know you're coming down the road before you even get to the building in the gate. Right. And so um, the, the overhead of controlled substance handling is just, it's, it's super difficult. And so by creating a process that avoided that, I just kind of streamlined, you know, the ability to make a, a really neat drug, um, without all that regulatory oversight. And aren't you also uh, working on a patent to use with MDMA? Yeah. So um, in my role as chief science officer at Optimize Health up in Canada, um, we've been manufacturing MDMA and I came up with a kind of an innovative process that's really scalable um, and highly efficient and really safe um, to manufacture MDMA, and we're doing that as we speak. And those th- that drug will be entering clinical trials. It looks like, as far as some of the psychedelics go, that MDMA is probably going to be the first drug to be approved as, as early as next year. And um, Health Canada is approved for therapists. It's really it's really interesting to me. So the therapists that will be administering MDMA have the opportunity to have it administered to them. It's part of their training, so they understand the, yeah, the, they the pharmacology of the drug. They should. And so um, we're working to manufacture, we're manufacturing some of that drug that'll be used in those therapist training. And the estimates are that they're going to need tens of thousands of therapists to be trained to as the drug becomes available. The one time I wish I would have been a doctor. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's logical um, when I went to uh, school to be an optometrist, we had to fit each other with contact lenses so we understood what the patient would go through oh, trying, yeah. trying to touch their own eyeball. Luckily, I was already wearing contact lenses, so I thrived in that class. But um, So MDMA would be used to treat major depressive disorder. That's what they're doing in, 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 uh, in the University of London now, I, I believe. Also. Yeah, I see um, PTSD is mm-hmm. the, probably the, the, the most effective indication right now that's been studied. Excellent, excellent. All right, so let's. What I wanted to do was establish your pedigree and who you are, because we have had lots of doctors come on and talk about a peptide who have spent graciously hours and hours researching and reading papers, and that's wonderful. But when you have a guy who's on the bleeding edge of developing drugs, drug delivery systems, you have different perspectives that we won't get from from clinical trials and stuff like that. You, you, I'm sure that you can kind of see the future a little bit when you work with some of these things. And we want to talk about BPC today because it is by far the most popular uh, peptide available, and especially since it was made orally. Now, not to explain the type of, of BPC that is that comes in your product, and we're going to promote it here in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah, so the um, I have a supplement company, Nutrineeds, and one of our products we call NutriBPC. It is the peptide, the 15-amino acid peptide, BPC-157. So it's a really, you know, not an uncommon peptide. It's in quite a few products on the market. And and as, as you know, and, and I know for sure, I mean, the um, the capabilities of it and application of it are, are super far-ranging. Um, 
And we're going to cover got, we're going to cover that. I want I want to talk first yeah. before, I want to talk about the unique delivery system is that that you use to actually get it delivered because everybody thinks because BPC originates uh, uh endogenously in the gut that just taking BPC is going to successfully do what you want it to do, but that's not necessarily true, right? Well, I, you know, I, I, I think it is to a certain extent. Um, if you look at some of the, um, some of the, re- well, all the research kind of goes back to some of the um, checks in the early 90s studying this material. And so BPC as, as body protection compound is a much larger, heavier molecular weight protein. And they identified some of the um, metabolites of that protein as BPC-157. And so my goal is in the probably in the next month or so is to sort of have some videos on my website kind of showing that metabolic process and, and why it is that BPC-157 is a Deshaies-compliant uh, dietary supplement ingredient. Um, as far as, um, I guess, science behind its availability – because it's found in the in the gut already as it is, it's pretty stable when delivered orally. Um, so it is an orally active peptide. It's it's one of not a, a ton of them. Um, we do see that as some of the peptides are smaller, there's less breakdown uh, because they're already sort of at that that metabolic breakdown point. And so the the product I have is BPC one five seven as the arginate salt, and so. It's orally active and highly stable, just in in and of itself as a, just a basic amino acid. And uh, so, if if it's if it's orally uh, active, as 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 you say, does the arginate salt produce an advantage for delivery? Uh, the arginate salt's primary for stability. You see that um, in some of the studies, it's more stable in at the pH of the stomach acid. As that salt versus the acetate salt, Would it so you're be- having you're having you're having um, I guess increased um, an increased time present uh, for activity. Would it be an advantage to to raise alkalinity in the stomach while taking BPC? Uh, I don't think it's necessary uh, in the case of BPC specifically. Okay, okay. So, what is the molecular weight of BPC? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's not a, not a number I keep on top of my head, but okay. I'm sure it's pretty. Well, easy is to it find. is it in the mega Dalton? Is it in Dalton? It's, no, no, it's um, I can pull it up. It's got to be quick. smaller than growth hormone, right? It's only 15. Oh yeah, yeah, acids. no, it's only 15 amino acids, right. uh, 62 carbons. So of course, it's not going to tell me what it is right off the top. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 not of a molecular weight that we're really concerned about um, as far as you know passing through. Uh, yeah. 1,419 Dalton. Yeah, that's, so, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, that's almost um, deliverable through the skin. Not that you'd want to unless you had a skin-specific reason for BPC. Um, I think 500 is pretty much the upper end of uh, ability to get through the stratum corneum. Then you can use, obviously, electrophoresis uh, or, or some advanced uh, uh, chem- chem- compounds to enhance delivery, but that, that's a that's a fairly small uh, peptide. So yeah, so talk about some of the delivery systems that you work on. Yeah, so uh, I've spent a lot of time um, trying to study drug delivery and drug delivery mechanisms. The, the problem, you know, generally speaking, and, and it comes up with BPC. People will say, or customers will say, well. I bet that doesn't work. It's a peptide and peptides aren't orally active. And, and 
Um, you know, certainly doctors are often taught that that is the case because um, generally speaking, a peptide being a component of a protein, you have enzymes in your body like pepsin that their their purpose is to break down proteins. Right. I mean, we're, you know, uh, uh, you and I love a, a good hunk of meat and your body's designed to metabolize that down into building blocks to, you know, build yourself back up. Um the first thing that, you know, occurs when you're, when foods, you know, you have enzymes in your, in your saliva that start to break down food. When you, when they go into your stomach, you have additional enzymes, uh, including pepsin. And then you also have a super low pH. It's very acidic. You know, we have, uh, uh, stomach acid that we have to deal with. And then the other issue with delivering drugs orally is that, um, they have to pass through something to get into the bloodstream mm-hmm. at some point in your body. And so, um, if you look at the prescribing info for ribelsis, the oral semaglutide, they want you to take it on an empty stomach so that hopefully it'll it'll touch the epithelial layer of the stomach so that it can pass through into the bloodstream. So with oral bioavailability, a lot of drugs, you're potentially going against a beverage or food or, or something that's not allowing um, allowing the drug to come in contact with a mucous membrane so that it, it can get into the bloodstream. Does the shape of the peptide play a role in uh, its ability to be delivered through the gut? And explain sh- the shapes, the folded, circular, and, and, the, and the challenges. Yeah, uh, it does to some extent for sure. There's, there's um, what's pretty wild about amino, or I'm sorry, peptides is that as a chain of amino acids, you have a different compound. I mean, you know, your, your, your listeners who are obviously interested in nutrition and whatnot have had branch chain amino acids. They've had supplements like arginine or lysine or other amino acids. And so each one of those compounds has its own chemical property. And so when you string those all together in a new molecule, um, I used to make uh, tezamorlin in the lab. It's 43 amino acids. And each one of those amino acids has its own chemical reactivity. Well, now I've got literally a bandolier, if you will, of amino acids that have all that different chemical activities uh, on the same molecule. And so whether it's electronegativity or polarity or whatever um, um, aspects of it that have to do with its bioavailability and transport, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to understand all those, all those different factors. Um, And so, so kind of, as you asked um, what I've found is that cyclic peptides actually permeate much easier than long linear peptides um, the shorter peptides, the lower molecular weight seem to actually have better permeability. But we've seen in, in, in my research molecules as large as insulin, which I think is like, um, God, was it like 60,000 Daltons? It's, it's way up there, 60 or 6. Um, I've seen that go through skin and intestines with permeation enhancers. So you're still getting that permeability. Even with large molecules, and, and you see a lot more molecules these days that are biologics that are actually really you know, actual full proteins. The way I've described peptides on this show over the years is peptides are actually messages. And every amino acid is a word, and every uh, connection is a bond. The bond is, so, the, so there's a syntax. The fact that glycine follows, uh, you know, serine in this particular one, and then the comma or the dash or the no space being the the, molecular, the, the strength of the bond. So these are actually like messages. Are, are, are peptides simply just messages that tell cells to do things? 
Yeah, no, that's 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 actually a great characterization. It's a great way to explain it. And if if you look at one of the examples I've given in some of my doctor's education is if you look at melanotan and bremelanotide, um, there's literally one change from a hydroxyl to an amine. Like literally, the entire peptide has one change, and in you know ninety nine to ninety five to ninety nine percent of the patients that stops the tanning mechanism, but maintains the pro-sexual mechanism. So literally in this massive peptide, um, it's one molecular change that, that, as you said, changes that signal to the body on how it's going to react. Does the microbiome play a role in the ability for uh, orally delivered peptides to, to do what they need to do? Yeah, I would. Um, I haven't specifically looked at really any science in that area, but I will tell you that the enzymes that are present to break down some of those may be generated by by microbes in the bioflora in the gut, and so it wouldn't surprise me if that is the case. Uh, and and also, I would suggest too that probably the peptides that are present probably um, can also modify or improve the bio um, the biome in the gut as well. Talk about the compound snack. S N A C. Yeah, so um, one of the one of the things that you and I first started talking about when we we had the idea for this show was um, you know semaglutide is a super popular drug right now, so popular that it's you know on the FDA's shortage list at this date, um, meaning that it's 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 not available um, fully to the amount of prescriptions that are out there. And where where semaglutide really blew up was when it went from being a um, diabetes drug into a weight loss drug. Right. And so Agovi approved last year um, works really well. A lot of people um, are, are seeing really incredible results on it. And yeah, it became so popular. Um, yeah, it, it was hard to get. And so Wagovi is the injectable drug. And, and the dose on Wagovi is 2.4 milligrams once a week. So it's got a really long half-life. Um, it's a really large molecule. It's got, a, I think, a huge fatty acid hanging off of it. It's kind of a, a, a neat-shaped molecule. But getting up to that, that dose takes about five months um, because of the side effects associated with it as a GLP-1 agonist. The actual starting dose is 250 micrograms. And so patients start at 250 micrograms once a week for four weeks in a row. And then they double that for the next four weeks and double it for the next four weeks until you reach the um, 2.4 milligram oral, um, excuse me, injectable dose. And so there's this dose escalation um, as your body kind of learns to adapt to some of the side effects of the peptide. Now where snack comes into play uh, and snack is an acronym for uh, sodium salcoprosate. SNAC um, is a transcellular uh, permeation enhancer. And so what it's doing um, is actually helping push the molecule through the cells, transcellular, um, to get into the bloodstream uh, or, or transport to the active site. And so the, the drug ribelsis is actually semaglutide, the exact same peptide, but in an oral formulation. And so it's, it's combined with SNAC. Um, and then take it orally. And so when the pill lands in the, in the stomach, uh, they tell you to take it on an empty, empty stomach. Uh, hopefully it's going to be near the epithelial layer and the snack's going to help the peptide get through the cells and into the bloodstream. Now, what's, what, what I think is kind of amazing with snack is that it's, it's because of a variety of reasons, uh, not snack itself. It's a really inefficient process. 
And so the dosing on ribelsis is 3, 7, and 14 milligrams orally daily. Uh, you, you have an escalation starting with the, the lowest dose. And so if you think about 14 milligrams every single day, um, the dosing in comparison to the injections, extremely high. And that's because the best estimates are that about 1% of the drug actually gets delivered appropriately. And so you've got the, the enzymes we've been talking about trying to break down the, the peptide in the stomach and a whole bunch of other factors. What about liver? Does the, liver the liver play a role in trying to get snack? Um, they can't, um, not with snack. You have first pass metabolism right. that's going to um, break down a lot of, of, of drugs. But with snack, you're trying to avoid some of that by getting it into the bloodstream uh, within the stomach itself. Is, um, and you still, you'll still have some go to the liver for sure. Is, so in transdermal delivery, using, uh, using uh, liposomes to encapsulate compounds and kind of be like a Trojan horse to disrupt the stratum cornea so that the skin opens up like the tiles on your floor. And then these, these, uh, capsule, encapsulated compounds get in. And then since they're lipophilic, they're fats, they get attracted to the fatty layer in the skin and then they release. Um, but the nice thing about those, that approach is it's specific to the drug that was compounded into it. Does snack have the ability to carry other things across the, uh, the, the, the gut lining that weren't necessarily compounded into them? Is it like random? Like, okay, uh, I'm bringing, I'm bringing this, uh, this peptide in, but hey, look at this, uh, this pathogen. I'll take it with me. Yeah, that's, that's some of the discussions on the safety and efficacy of, of some of these permeation enhancers is that for a lot of times, especially with things that are opening the tight junctions, things mm -hmm. that are, you know, in the intestine opening something up to let the drug pass through is that, because, you know, because, when because, you, because, when you, that's, yeah, that, that is exactly what autoimmune disorders are, like things that get through the junctions and into the bloodstream that you don't want. Right, right. And so, yeah, I think there are questions as far as, um, you know, what other things are getting through, whether they're pathogens or, 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 or other drugs that um, may not be the target, for sure. Uh, intranasal seems to be a, a, a popular delivery system. I make intranasal melanotan. I've made intranasal PE 22, 24, 24, uh, for, for depression for friends that it actually worked. I mean, they, they used it for the prescribed number of days. I forget if it was, uh, uh, half a milligram or two milligrams a day for 28 days, I think it was. And really they, they got off of their SSRIs that like it, it did something that was kind of semi permanent, at least I can guess. Um, what about intranasal delivery? It, 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 are there any advantages, disadvantages to using intranasal delivery to deliver a peptides? Yeah, so there's there's a variety of um, uh, benefits there for sure. And so um, some of the stuff that I've personally worked on are, again, um, intranasal peptide delivery with permeation enhancers. And so I'm adding in, again, one of these enhancers. And in, in the case of um, the product I developed, I used an alkyl multicide is what they're called. Okay. And so it's kind of a surfactant. And again, like when you're talking about your liposomes, when you're sort of encapsulating a product and changing the um, solubility of it and permeability of it, um, you, you get an improved delivery. And so we've seen a lot of intranasal drugs, especially out of Russia with C-Lank and C-Max. Mm -hmm. That seems to be a pretty common um, delivery system. Um, I was reading some, some patent literature one weekend and, uh, read an article on, uh, 
a chemical called DDM, dodecyl maltoside, one of these alkyl maltosides. And it's actually in an FDA-approved drug um, called uh, Valtoco, which is intranasal Valium. And so it's approved for patients with seizures. And so when a person falls down, you know, is on the ground, and they're having a seizure and they're moving, you really can't administer an oral drug because their jaw could be seized. You can't really administer an injectable drug because they're physically moving and you don't want the needle to break off. But the ability to deliver uh, intranasal spray, you know, it isn't as difficult as the other two mechanisms of delivery. And so intranasal Valium is actually uh, an FDA approved drug for seizure patients. What they've, what the, what the belief is, is that the combination of the drug with the permeation enhancer actually gets it through the sinuses and into some of the nerves and actually goes right up the nerves into the brain. Mm -hmm. So you're actually getting a rapid delivery to the brain itself. Um, And with that rapid delivery, you get a, um, the seizures seem to cease within like 60 seconds. So it's a really amazing uh, product. And so after reading that, I thought, wow, that seems super straight. Um, that DDM compounds used in, in protein chemistry a lot of times to um, prevent proteins from agglomerating. So mm-hmm. as a surfactant, it kind of breaks them up yeah. and you can kind of uh, dilute them and use them in your research. Um, and so I wanted to kind of understand the, the efficiency of delivery and uh, from my experience with the pharmacies, I knew that the growth hormone socratagogues were some of the more popular drugs. And one of the barriers to those becoming even more popular was the fact that they're delivered by injection. And generally speaking, the, the public just doesn't want to stick a needle in themselves. So Puss- I thought, well, hey. Pussies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if we could come up with, you know, orals, certainly the, the, the biggest preference, but intranasal is not so bad. And so uh, I just started working on formulations for intranasal peptides using DDM. And um, I originally was going to try some of the Socratagogues, and I realized that, you know, the amount of time it takes to get a response and then the measurement of that response, I'd have to go get some blood drawn and, and measure my own IGF-1. Um, I, I tried to figure out what the faster, more efficient way to understand drug delivery would have been. And so I thought, hey, I've got some PT-141 as a raw material it's kind of a rapid response. I'm going to know the same day if the drug's been delivered or not. Right. So that's that's the drug I selected primarily, honestly, to understand the drug delivery mechanism more so than the actual you know administration of the PT-141 itself, right. the bromelanotide. Right. And so you knew right away it was working if you found, if it had an erection. I get it. And you could, I did. Oxytocin would do that because it would trigger vasopressin and you'd feel the head rush. Um, so but, but so I'm of the I'm of the thought that intranasal peptides should be used almost exclusively for drugs you want to get to the brain almost exclusively and fast. Like using, uh, I use, I use uh, intranasal melanotan not so much for tanning, but for the benefits of uh, c- uh, controlling inflammation. Uh, and I actually get a, like a nootropic effect from melanotan. Uh, I do get tan over the course of weeks but it's getting to my brain first. Would you agree that drugs that you are trying to get to your brain for brain health or recovery are more appropriately used intranasally and other drugs, if you're just looking for systemic effects, you should be injecting them or maybe having an oral product? No, I I do think that is the case. I mean, especially with this Valium, the reason it was so rapidly acting was the, it was, it was getting 
delivered at a um, high efficiency into the brain in a rapid fashion. And so um, earlier on in our conversation, we talked about some of these permeation enhancers and how there's, there's transcellular and paracellular delivery. Um, the body's pretty awesome in that we've got the blood brain barrier, the BBB that we talk about in drug pharmacology. And so it's hard a lot of times to get drugs delivered to the brain. Um, that mechanism's transcytosis and, um, it's there for a reason. You know, the brain wants to keep itself safe and partitioned away from the rest of the body. And so we do have the ability to manipulate that on a certain level um, to get drugs there. So, yeah, I do think intranasal is a great way to get things to delivered the, to, to the brain. brain. Yeah. I want to put this banner up right now. So uh, NutriNeeds is a new sponsor of Superhuman Radio, and they have a lot more than just BPC. Uh, they have the original chill pill, the DH, uh, DHHB. Uh, they also have a hair regrowth product that uses penetration enhancers so you don't have to micro needle the scalp, which is really cool. Uh, they have uh, face, they have uh, face creams. I'm, I'm tripping up here. Uh, but they also have NMN, uh, which is really, really, really cool. Uh, and it's a combination. It has some resveratrol in it. It has uh, uh, a couple different compounds in it that all work synergistically. If you go to shrnetwork.biz slash NutraNeeds, N-U-T-R-A-N-E-E-D-S, and use the code SHR, you'll save 10% on everything and anything that you order there. So please go check them out. Show them some love because they are a sponsor now. And plus, they have the best products in these categories available. As you can hear, talking to uh, Justin, you know, he is deep into this space. He is a, a thought leader, bleeding edge. He's making these things, uh, and, and he's, he's rarefying them and making them work better. And you can probably find some of these products on the different labels that are made by him and resold as, as raw materials, or you could just buy them from the guy and, 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 and reward him. Uh, from for being the brains behind a lot of the progress in these categories, really. Uh, so please, uh, show them some love. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with lots more discussions. I have more questions. We'll talk about thymus and beta-4 also, uh, because I have become very fascinated, and I literally read six or seven studies a night before bed on thymus and beta-4, and I want to talk about what you're going to be doing with, uh, with uh, TB500 or, or TB4 in the future, okay? Sounds great. All right, sit tight. We'll be right back. Millions of people know that shrewd food is the smartest way to snack. Ever get that craving for crunchy snacks, but don't want to eat all those empty carbs? Well, instead of puffed corn or wheat, like most snacks, shrewd food puffs protein powder. This gives these crazy efficient macros. Two grams of carbs, 14 grams of protein. That's as high as 67% protein and with only 90 calories. So knock out the carbs, but keep the amazing flavor and crunch you're looking for. Shrewd food is now available at Walmart and Sprouts. Or 
or go to shrnetwork.biz slash shrewd food and use the code SHR25 for 25% off your order. I would easily say that I am the hugest proponent you will ever meet to doing anything that will improve the quality of my sleep. And that's because sleep is linked to just about every metabolic disorder we see in our population today. One of the easiest things you can do to improve the quality of your sleep is to get a pillow that can be shaped into the exact form factor that allows you to get your best night's sleep. And that is my pillow. I've been sleeping with my pillow for a few years now, and I can tell you that when I have to travel and stay in hotels, I don't get a good night's sleep because I don't have my pillow with me. Right now, you can save up to 60% off of everything offered to improve the quality of your sleep at shrnetwork.biz slash mypillow when you use the code SHR. Or you can call toll-free 800-889-4938. And remember to use code SHR to save up to 60% off of everything at their website. Dogs should be powered by fat and protein, not carbs. That's why Visionary Pet makes low-carb, ketogenic dog food for dogs of all breeds and life stages. From kibble to freeze-dried and even low-carb treats, all Visionary Pet recipes are very low-carb, ketogenic, and made with 100% real meat protein. Shop now and use code SHR for 20% off your first order today. Your dog deserves the lifelong benefits of optimal nutrition. Make the switch to Visionary and see why smart dogs eat low-carb. Great sleep upgrades you on virtually every level. Body fat, muscle mass, mood, brain function, and countless other ways. But taking melatonin alone isn't the answer. Thanks to a brand new sleep formula developed by my friends at Bioptimizers, you can experience the best night's sleep ever. Sleep Breakthrough is a delicious sleep drink that supports your natural melatonin production and relaxation without creating a dependency so you can have the best night's sleep on demand. It targets five different sleep pathways to give you the best sleep ever. And best of all, you'll wake up feeling rested and rejuvenated so that you can have the best day possible. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to sleepbreakthrough.com slash SHR and use the code SHR10 for 10% off. Plus, you can unlock special gifts with the value of at least $20. This is a limited time offer, so go to sleepbreakthrough.com forward slash SHR right now. Hey, guys. It's time to change your f***ing underwear. And it's time to change to Sheath. Sheath's underwear's revolutionary designs allows your man parts to hang the way they would naturally hang if you were not wearing underwear. And this improves the blood flow throughout the day to the twigs and berries. If you've never experienced wearing a pair of sheath underwear, boy, is there an exciting experience waiting for you. Grab a pen and write this down. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash sheath. That's S-H-E-A-T-H. And use the code superhuman to save 20% off your first pair. And get this, if you're not completely satisfied... Send them back for a full refund. That's shrnetwork.biz slash sheath. Spit that out right now. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. We're talking with Justin Kirkland, biochemist extraordinaire. And uh, we're talking about the science behind uh, some peptides and their deliveries. Um, I want to talk more about BPC before we talk about thymus and beta-4. So everybody thinks that BPC is just for recovery. And some people think it's for gut health, too, because it is produced naturally. What, I mean, to expand on the effects of recovery, gut health, but what else does BPC seem to have an effect on? Yeah, um, <clears throat> one of... One of um, 
one of a good friends of mine, her son, um, for him, it's the greatest thing in the world. That's his, his own words, um, due to his Crohn's disease. So he had some GI issues that kind of precluded him from even leaving the home. So that affected him, obviously, socially, um, you know, going to school, participating in, in activities he enjoys. And he tried all, all kinds of um, different interventions. And BPC is the one that works for him. Um, and so it's been uh, amazing. So we've definitely seen it in, in GI for Crohn's disease, IBS, um, you know, just general gut health associated with um, acid reflux. So orally, I've definitely and, and you know, I do see and, and I'm sure you do, too, on on social media or, or out there, especially with doctors, that that there's always the suggestion to take it orally for gut issues and injectable for repair issues. Um, I think there could be some benefits in those, but I also think that the benefit of taking it either way um, certainly is is far better than not taking it at all. Because I think ultimately, while you do get some local activity, the drug's eventually going to go systemic um, and get to where it needs to be anyways. So should you take it on an empty stomach? And, and is there any way to help it get down into the lower parts of the GI where the Crohn's disease and the IBS actually occur? You know, um, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I think because of the size and the, um, it's, it's resistance to enzymatic degradation. I've got, uh, what well, him as an example and many of the other patients I know in similar situations, they're taking the regular basic encapsulated BPC, whether it's from a pharmacy or a supplement company and, and they're getting the relief they need. So the product's certainly getting delivered, um, uh, well enough to treat the indications. Any ability to gauge how long they take it before they start to notice beneficial effects? Yeah, I definitely. I would say it definitely takes a few days to get some benefit. Um, wow. We do have some patients that'll run a cycle of it, and they'll seem to um, take care of alleviating the problem. And then I've also seen other patients that, especially with um, some severe GI issues, taking it daily, and, and they maintain it. Um, you know, three hundred sixty-five days of the year. Body protection complex, the, the I'm sorry, compound, the name implies it does stuff for the entire body. Is there any other stuff that people don't know that BPC seems to do? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've even seen it um, attenuate different receptors in the brain. We've seen stuff uh, as far as mood improvements. We've seen stuff as far as um, some drugs not having efficacy returned to being efficacious after a round of BPC. Um, you know, the, one of the stereotypical, um, patients I hear about when I talk with some of the doctors are, you know, the dad whose son's in football, he was in football back in high school. And next thing you know, he's throwing the ball in the backyard and maybe his shoulders got a little tear and doesn't quite want to deal with surgery. And so we do see some benefits in the repair that, that, you know, it's certainly well known for muscle or soft tissue specific or both. I would say probably soft tissue more so than muscle, um, at least in the experience of the doctors I speak with. Is there a BPC receptor on cells? No, I'm not. So one of the things we talk about a lot um, in drug pharmacology is that key and lock mechanism. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times with small molecules, you'll see that, that that drug as the key hits a protein or a, a, a receptor and it fits into that receptor a certain way. And so some of the projects I've been involved in in the past were um, – developed through x-ray crystallography. So uh, Dr. Katzenellenbogen, Dr. K at the University of Illinois, where I used to live, um, did some protein crystallography on this, the androgen receptor. So now looking at the androgen receptor, we know what molecules fit in there. Well, we all know testosterone and any of the steroids fit in that receptor. And 
his goal through some of his research was to make uh, selectivity that key to fit in there just the way he wants. And so what we see with basic androgens are um, a lack of selectivity. So you see a lot of growth signals um, um, all over the place. And uh, so out of his research is kind of where SARMs became right. um, developed. So selective androgen receptor modulators. And so that was the goal. And um, I actually, when I worked for a CRO, Obiter Research in Champaign, Illinois, uh, we developed a couple thousand SARMs for a company called Radius Pharmaceuticals, of which Rad 140, some of your listeners have probably seen, um, you know, actually entered clinical trials. In their case, their market was for elderly. Um, so they wanted to see every grandma and grandpa that's, you know, becoming frail have some um, androgen agonists to help build up the muscle mass and bone mass so that you don't see someone fall and break their hip and spend the rest of their mm-hmm. life in the nursing home. And so a little, little off topic, but going back to what you said, with the peptides, we're generally seeing signaling mechanisms mm-hmm. more so than that key and receptor right, right. Uh, relationship. But interestingly enough, I remember re- reading a study, it had to be like 12 or 15 years ago, that showed that growth hormone docks in the estrogen receptor in women. And and because it's not estrogen, it is a SARM effect. The, the funny thing about what, what people don't understand uh, about receptors is the receptor is, 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 has, is a mosaic of, of areas. You know, like if you looked at a city, it's cut up into, into yeah, counties. And like testosterone activates the entire androgen receptor because it fits specifically and activates all those little domains. But when people take stuff like um, pine bark, you know, because it's supposed to be have androgenic effects, it's probably not acting like testosterone. It's probably activating some domains of that receptor, but not others. And we really don't know if that's good or bad. We really don't. We don't know if there's an entourage effect and the hormone that was designed to dock in that receptor that is lacking when we start using these things that are selectively uh, activating receptors. That's my opinion. I don't have any scientific degree. Tell me I'm wrong or right. What do you think? Yeah, well, the protein's got a lot of surface area, and testosterone's a really small molecule, so it's probably docking in there, obviously getting a physiological response um, in, in a very small portion of the overall receptor. I mean, if you look at RAD140 as an exact example, it's a, it's a pretty good sized molecule. Um, MK677 as a growth hormone secretagogue, it's a pretty big molecule. Yeah. Um, and even some of these, you know, biological drugs. Um, and so as, you know, science improves and our, and our knowledge increases and some of these studies are done, you know, it, it definitely approves, um, you know, some of the drugs and drug delivery. So Travis Lovelace says, I got sick the other day and started taking BPC-157. I'm taking a gram a day since yesterday, and I'm already starting to feel better. Uh, it, placebo? Uh, no, it depends, you know, obviously what's 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 causing his illness. Um, certainly when we look at a lot of the different peptides that you and I have talked about um, over the years, You've got inflammation. You've got inflammation as a response to something. Uh, if BPC is answering some of that inflammation, some of his symptoms uh, might be going away. Um, you look at some of the thymosine compounds, thymosine alpha-1, thymosine beta-4, you see some of the um, reduction in cytokines as a, as a result for an infection or inflammation. And so, yeah, it's not a surprise. I don't know if he means a milligram a day probably. 
Um, I mean, yeah, a gram a day is a thousand milligrams. How, how many how many milligrams are in a capsule of oral? Yeah, I got uh, two capsules of my product is one milligram. Yeah, so I think maybe. I, I doubt he's taken a couple thousand capsules of. Yeah, I unless know. he has, unless he's got some, uh, you know, access to stuff and he's doing something we don't. Maybe know. maybe we should uh, we should get to know uh, Travis Lovelace. Maybe he could hook us up with a couple kilos of it. I'd like I'd like that. So Bobby Boucher. Uh, who you remember him from the Waterboy movie, right? <laughs> right. Obviously, obviously, that's his screen name. He's 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 been around my show for a long time, and I appreciate him when he shows up. Uh, do PEDs and excess hormones speed up telomere shortening? You have any information on that? You know, I, I don't. Um, uh, when I go to the conferences and whatnot, I see the TA sixty five guys a lot. Um, you know, and their their entire. I can't uh, believe they're still in business. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, their products it's, expensive, uh, it's pricey, and yeah, and, and, crazy. and and I thought they were going to go out of business when a study came out. They were already around for like four or five years. That said, that um, not Ash. What what is the uh, primary um, compound that they derive their uh, telomerase activator from? It, I'm, it's a it's a plant base. It's not ashwagandha. Yeah. It's um, not yeah, rhodiola. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. But uh, it starts with – there's a G in there because they're, they're like – Oh, it's cycloestragonol. Astrali- the, so astragalus. Yeah, astragalus. So when they isolated that one compound from astragalus, a study came out about four or five years ago that showed that astragalus, whole astragalus works even better because of the entourage effect of the original plant. And like I thought, surely no one is going to pay that kind of money for a, 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 an extract when they're not getting the whole thing. But people still buy it. And, 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 let, yeah. me, and let me say something before you answer this. The single best thing that will lengthen telomeres, that I'm going to give you classifications because you could guess all day at this. They tested 26 foods and 13 drink beverages to see if any of them had effect on telomere length. Guess what the one thing that actually improved the length of telomeres is? Huh, I have no idea. It's beef. I have the study. Really? I have the original paper. Ah. A, guy, a guy from um, Sweden, I think, Patrick Dahlin, came on, presented the paper. It was great. It's the only food that lengthens telomeres. If you get, if you think telomeres mean something, and that is debatable at this point in time, if you think telomeres mean something, you better be eating beef. That right. that that pisses a lot of people off. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the answer is well, not answer his question, or at least discuss it. Is that certainly in and as long as both of us have been in um, sort of regenerative medicine and anti aging medicine, is is there is that well, you have your lifespan and your health span, obviously. Um, and I do believe, no, I believe we know that a lot of the the, the remedies or, or treatments um, are accelerating growth, and in some some sense. The acceleration of growth is, is not, it's the opposite of anti-aging. You know, I, I, as much as I like reading the studies where, um, you know, fasting and, and near starvation allows, um, rodents to live longer, I like a nice dinner. So, um, I do think with, you know, HRT and, and growth hormone products and, and, and other products as you, you are accelerating repair, accelerating, um, you know, maintaining muscle mass and quality of life that, you know, there, there certainly probably is something to be said about the fact that you're accelerating some some aspects of aging, depending on how you want to define or measure aging. Uh, uh, Doctor Irina and Michael Conboy came on the show um, early in the year. 
I don't know if you know who they are. They have the Convoy Lab up in San Francisco at the University of San Francisco, I believe it is. And they are the they are deep into this whole plasma phoresis and and plasma dilution. Mm-hmm. And they and like they're having real uh, success with it. There are some clinics now in the United States. I got a guy coming back on. He's had like three or four treatments now. We're going to see what his markers were in, on his blood work. But plasmapheresis is fascinating because all of the uh, mutant proteins stay in your plasma and just keep traveling around and they bioaccumulate. And this, this leads to my theory of the aging. When we look at phenotypical aging, slowing down of the body, uh, excessive uh, uh, pain, uh, nervous system starts to break down, demyelination, they can all be attributed to some sort of metabolic debris uh, accumulation. This is my theory, right? Uh, Aubrey de Grey had the theory of, of mitochondria. My theory is we accumulate, because look, the body doesn't know what a year is. It doesn't even know what a second is. But what it does know is when debris accumulates to a point where cells start to malfunction, this is what we see in aging. And she came on the show and she actually validated my opinion. So what they do is they do, um, they, they remove plasma and they, and then they put back in saline and all the proteins uh, that which 99% of them made in the liver. Now think about how disgusting people's livers are, by the way, today. So, and they see the markers of aging. They, after three sessions of plasmapheresis, people's markers in their 60s went down to in their 20s. And inflammatory, oh, wow. oh no, this is, this is real science. We're going to hear more about this. And I'm going to start just donating plasma in a couple months. I'm doing some other things first before I do that. I want to make my liver healthy to make sure that the proteins that it makes on its own, uh, you know, I'm creating a good plasma dilution model. But with that saying, she said something on the show that was profound. And it's actually something that my friend Ron Penna says all the time. Ron always says, the magic in the diet isn't what you start eating, it's what you stop eating. Okay? And she said on the show, and I quoted her, I passed it around as a mem, a meme, whatever you call it. And she said, you can't take anything to extend life. It's what you remove from the body that will extend hmm. life. And that's, oh, that's cool. that feeds into my theory of bioaccumulation of, of, of metabolic debris. So even if you take peptides, they're not going to work unless you get the insult that's causing the problem in the first place out of your body, whether it's diet uh, or, or whatever. But this is fascinating because people are taking 60,000 pills a day thinking they're going to live longer. All they're doing is putting a greater strain on their liver, and their liver makes those, those def- de- defunct proteins that circulate, circulate in your plasma. So yeah, <laughs> it's no, that's super interesting. There was a drug. I, I, I worked at a chemical plant in Mexico f- quite a few years ago. I was in 2005 and, um, ALT seven eleven was kind of big in the news. Um, it's a really simple, it's actually a simple chemical to make. And so I'd made a little bit uh, on request of some f- friends and, um, that's in some sense, following exactly what you're saying from sort of a different direction in the sense that their thought was a lot of cardiovascular disease was from our diet and the cross links that occur from um, um, different types of sugar buildups. And so your hardening of your arteries and some of your um, um, glands are associated, again, like what you said, with some of these buildups that, that are problems. And so probably eliminating the intake of some of those things would fix that. But this drug was going in and breaking some of that back up to, to, add the malleability back 
Um, certainly, and there is one company I've been following that's doing that in um, um, California, a small startup that's gone to the next generation of drugs to um, repair uh, membranes in our body uh, to reverse some of the, the um, I guess, add the elasticity back. Uh, at least anecdotally, one patient I know that was taking an ALT 711 you know, as an older, older guy, he was having to get up and use the bathroom every night. And he noticed, he goes, Oh, I didn't really notice anything, but he goes, Oh yeah, I did notice. He goes, I don't have to get up three times a night to urinate. And you know, the assumption was maybe his bladder was getting a little bit of uh, elasticity back to it. So we're talking about, when we talk about this, we're talking about fibrosis of tissue organs. I want to talk about that on the other side of the break, because this is where thymus and beta four seems to have a magic effect. Sean Watson wants to know if you have plans on making injectable peptides. You made injectable peptides for pharmacies, but you can't sell those unless you're a pharmacy, right? Yeah, I'm trying to determine, you know, um, I'm always looking at what's next. Um, yeah, I did have a great time working at the pharmacies, um, Right now, I've looked at setting up um, a wholesale drug distribution business, trying to provide some some different compounds to pharmacies and maybe instructing them on, on some of these drug formulations. I feel like I've got a little bit of an edge, obviously, in my education in the sense that some of the pharmacists I talk to say, hey, I ordered these drugs. And when I say, hey, how do I use it? The, the suppliers go, I don't have a clue. We just sell and it. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think that, you know, having some some ability Number one, to help with the formulations. And then number two, I've got an analytical lab um, at my facility that I just, uh, you know, not enough hours in the day to use. I want to get a lot more proficient or get some get someone hired to help me with that um, to do quality control and testing and stability tests. I, mean, I hear, you know, I see and hear stuff all the time of I dropped my uh, peptide thing or it sat in the car or it sat out overnight. Is it ruined? And and the fact of the matter is, is my answer is always there's a way to measure that and you know, we just Take it. We need to do that test. Take it. So you know what I found? Peptides aren't as fragile as they uh, that we think they are because they literally put them in an ultrasonic bath in order to make sure that the, it's evenly dispersed in the liquid before they lyophilize it. And if that doesn't break up the chains, I don't think anything will. But also, I've left I've left melanotan out for two weeks, and I thought, let me just see. And I injected, and son of a gun, if I didn't feel a flush and turn red. So I, I suspect that... And, and, and critical thinking tells us these peptides exist in 98-degree bodies. Like, right. You know, like, let, let's, let's look a little critical, uh, critically at how fragile they are. It's like they also, when we talk about buffering them, putting them all in one syringe, unless there's some magic in, in, in the blood and plasma, they live in your body altogether. And there seems to be a great fidelity where they don't bond. To, the only thing I'd say is when I put IGF-1, no, when I put MGF, IGF-1EC, into the same syringe with multiple peptides, it, it gets heavy and falls, and you can see it looks like a cloud. But when I, put huh. it in, when I put it in with real growth hormone, it doesn't do that. So they seem to play nicely together. But that's just something I've been... Interesting. Yeah, yeah they're not as fragile as people think they are. Um, okay, we're going to take a break. We'll answer any other questions that are out there, and we're going to talk a little bit about thymus and beta-4. Because I think it, it, it deserves a, a mention in this show. Real quick, um, if you want to learn more about these wonderful products uh, and even buy them, which is the idea to use, uh, shrnetwork.biz slash Nutraneeds, N-U-T-R-A-N-E-E-D-S, and use the code SHR to save 10% off. This is the company. If you're going to buy pept- orally, oral peptides or products, um, 
you really need to look here first because he's making this stuff himself. He's he's creating these products to begin with. He's patenting them. Other people are just – it's like the echo chamber. Go right to the source. Go right to the source. Go to Justin's website. I will be right back with more Superhuman Radio. Stay tuned. Merrick Health is a premium telehealth platform that connects customers with partnered providers from the comfort of your home. Merrick provides concierge service with your very own patient care provider as your health advocate. You'll go over all your needs and goals from improving sexual function, hair loss prevention, increased muscle, fat loss, and overall improved performance. Prescribed treatment options can be ordered and shipped directly to you if you meet the requirements. All from the comfort of your home. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash Merrick Health. That's M-A-R-E-K-H-E-A-L and order your comprehensives and get 10% off with code SHR. Don't forget to add the lab analysis to have results reviewed with potential over-the-counter supplements or treatment recommendations. That's shrnetwork.biz slash health and use code SHR at checkout. Or order your own desired labs with code SHR and get 10% off your first lab order. Hey, this is Carl Lenore. I am the inventor of Gunleash. Over half a million handguns are lost in the United States every year. If you carry a gun like I do, you are 300 times more likely to lose your gun. And 15% of those guns will end up in criminals' hands and used in the commission of a crime. Gunleash solves that problem. Gunleash is a patented, no-tracking proximity device the size of a postage stamp. It will alert you as soon as your gun is outside of your range, so you can never leave your gun behind. To learn more and to be notified when Gunleash is available at the end of January, go to gunleash.com and get on our mailing list. Gunleash. Never lose your gun, never leave your gun. Hey, This is Carl Lenore, host of the longest-running health, fitness, and anti-aging podcast in the world, Superhuman Radio. For 17 years, I've heard promises of devices and gadgets that could eliminate chronic pain. I live with chronic pain. For two decades, I was a powerlifter, and my lumbar spine shows all the signs of abuse. And so I live with sciatic nerve pain. It varies from just annoying to debilitating. The other thing is I love to ride my motorcycle. I ride it every day if I can. And obviously my motorcycle doesn't treat my lumbar spine good. I got the Kylo patch and I promised to give it a try, but I got to be honest with you. I thought it was bullshit. But I did what I was instructed. Find the right spot. Over the pain, you'll feel the pain start to go away. Leave it there and go about your business. And I did that. And that day I got on my motorcycle and I rode for about three hours. It was a Saturday. Well, I came home that day, got off my bike and had no back pain. That's rare. In fact, in fact, it's impossible. And I spent the rest of the day wearing the Kylo patch and I did not experience any sciatic nerve pain, which is ridiculous because after riding for three hours in a row, I always get pain in my back. So I gave it a try the next day. I got up in the morning. I had some sciatic nerve pain. I put it over the area where the pain was emanating from, right above my right glute muscle. And in seconds, the pain was gone. I thought, this can't be. How can this be? And I think that's what most people think when they see Kylo. They think, how could that be? Well, the technology is legit. 
And I can tell you right now, if you give Kylo a try, you'll find that you don't have to live with chronic pain. Check it out. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. It would have helped if I had the... Uh... So go to shrnetwork.biz slash get Kylo. I believe that's it. Hold on a second. Let me look. Uh, yeah, no, go Kylo. shrnetwork.biz slash go Kylo. And Kylo is spelled K-A-I-L-O. Use the code SHR30 and get 30% off. It's really a cool device. And I, I if it doesn't work, email me and tell me. But if it does work, email me and tell me. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about today is Thymus and Beta 4. I have done a deep dive on Thymus and Beta 4, and it's fascinating. Aside from inflammation, I think the ability for it to sequester actin and literally reduce and reverse fibrotic tissue in organs, in the heart. I, I've found studies where fibrotic tissue literally disappeared in the liver, uh, in, in the heart. Uh, we know that it affects um, ischemic events because ischemic events develop uh, fibrotic tissue in the brain and the heart. It reverses those. Talk about this magic because when we talk about fibrosis, we're talking about aging. We're coming back to the discussion about bioaccumulation, uh, collagen not being appropriately uh, placed in the skin, clustered together. And you, uh, look, ED, erectile dysfunction, they sell that expensive thing. I think it's like eight or $900. It's like a rocket shape. It's a slow, slow wave device that you use on your penis. And over the course of like 40 sessions, it breaks up the fibrosis in your penis, in the spongy part of your penis. I mean, it, I would think just take, take diamonds and beta four. And I found the protocol. Go ahead. I, I'm going to ask you about the protocol in a second. Yeah. Um, thymus and beta four is definitely one of my, one of my favorite peptides. I mean, my, my very, my own personal experience is probably the, the healthiest I've ever been is when I was on a very good solid regiment of a, a, a clean diet, really great weightlifting and workout program and regular thymus and beta four use. Um, my, my recovery. And I think that's where it shined, at least for that specific purpose, my recovery from workouts and weightlifting were, was were, incredible. I mean, I actually, I didn't have uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, none of the DOMS. And so I would actually question like, wow, am I working out hard enough? Because, you know, I would reach for something kind of expecting that little uh, ache in the shoulder or something or back from such a, a heavy lifting day. And, and I wouldn't feel it the next day. Um, you know, uh, heavy squats, I'm walking up the stairs, I used to be sore, you know, we've all been there. And for me, thymus and beta four made that disappear a hundred percent. Um, you know, it was much more readily available in, in the past. Uh, I know at least from the compounding pharmacies, um, the laws changed where the FDA defined the difference between a protein and a peptide is 40 amino acids and, uh, thymus and beta fours, uh, 43. Mm -hmm. Um, the good news is, and, and it's certainly something we should, we should look at further is that antifibrotic, um, portion is actually a portion. It's a certain, I think it's the first four or five amino acids of the thymus and beta four are the parts that are antifibrotic. And so I'd love to look at some of the bioavailability as to whether, you know, that portion's orally active, um, or can be administered, um, in and of itself outside of the whole peptide. Intranasal. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's that small, then now, now it really becomes a great candidate for transdermal delivery also. Yeah, very much so. Um, very much so. 
Does that step out of the realm of the FDA if it ends up being, you know, five or six uh, amino acids? Now it's a now it, you know, it, it they kind of I, I know they have and also delivery systems, right? There's a lot of things that as long as you don't deliver it injected, they don't care because they figure it doesn't work. Yeah, so right right now the the law that governs supplements is 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 the acronym is DSHEA, the Dietary yeah. Health and Education, I don't know, Act. Yeah. Um and it defines vitamins or dietary supplements as delivered orally and they have to be a metabolite. And so what you would have to do is show that, you know, thymus and beta four is an endogenous peptide and that enzymes break it down. And you'd have to show that that, that one section we're discussing is actually present in the body. Yeah. Otherwise, the otherwise it that, falls under adulterated, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's possible. Do I know? I don't know off the top of my head if that portion is, 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 naturally occurring or, or naturally found but um so so the, so uh, first of all it is not without risk uh thymus and beta 4 because if you already have a cancer and don't know it it can actually feed it and make it grow faster because of its angiogenesis effects number one it also is um, a pretty good uh whole body anti uh, inflammatory and that also can trigger cancers to grow faster. What people don't understand is things like ROS, reactive oxygen species, kills tumors. And like people want to suppress all the, oh, I'm going to take 60,000 milligrams of, of fish oil every day and I'm taking a baby aspirin. Like you could really cause problems by going too far. Inflammation is an, an important biological effect. Chronic inflammation, not so much. So you got to be careful with things that suppress inflammation too far. Uh, and also things that make uh, blood vessels grow faster. But with that being said, assuming you don't have cancer uh, that you know of, you don't have a tumor that you know of, and you train, you eat right, you know, you're, you're not a not diabetic. Diabetic people, they develop cancer when you, when they fart. Like, they, they're the ones that develop it fast. But with that being said, all that aside, thymosin beta-4 uh, in, in mouse studies, when taken... So uh, they gave uh, they gave the rodents in, in several studies. I I find is this protocol: point uh, six milligrams per kilogram in a rodent. If you take a hundred, I'm a little bit over a hundred kilograms in weight, but let's just use a hundred for a second. And if you use the uh, conversion factor and times it by point zero eight one, the 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 sweet spot is be right about five five and a half milligrams. Uh, uh-huh. Or about five, I think it is. I think it was five. Or maybe it's four. Uh, I just did the math for somebody that was um, 135 pounds, and his was like 3.5 something. Somewhere around five milligrams. One shot every seven days for two weeks. And the trajectory of changes continue on after the, the second and la- virtually last shot. And magic happened in these rodents. Complete reversal of fibrotic liver. Complete reversal of... of a fibrotic kidney, complete reversal of, of, of fiber, fibrous tissue throughout the whole body. It's, it's astonishing to me. Now, look, I want to be careful because I'm saying things about stuff that works. The, the good stuff, the good thing about things that work is they work. The bad thing about things that work is they work. So you got to be careful. You got to know what you're doing and you don't want to do it more than that two week cycle because that was where the magic was in the rodents. But if you do that maybe four times a year, it could actually have a profound effect. And I believe that when fibro- fibrotic tissue breaks down, you become more fluid. Your muscles don't ache. You don't have trouble stretching. Like when I stand up, I have to 
oh, man, my glutes and my legs. And I'm hoping that goes away in the next few weeks, I'm going to say. What do, you, what do you think about that uh, dosing? Um, yeah, no, it's super interesting. And that 0.86, is that based on like surface area of rodent to human conversions yeah, yeah. versus just a direct, yeah, yeah, point direct six, milligram per point, kilogram? Point six, point 0.6 milligrams per kilogram. And then you use that 0.081 yeah. to convert from the rodent to the human. Yeah. No, um, no, it sounds really good. I, I, I will, and I'm happy to share it with you, you know, offline or after the show. I, I Generally speaking, certainly when I've been at the pharmacies and some of the education seminars, um, any can, cancer is always mentioned as a counterindication to anything that promotes growth and repair. Right. Um, but that's not always the case. And it's a very, you know, I'm not going to make any recommendations. It's always a very um, um, tricky topic. But the, I do have a, and I, I can send you over a study showing that thymosin beta 4 actually had some tumor suppression. suppression. I, saw the, I saw those studies. I actually saw them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not a sweeping statement and, and certainly everyone's different. Um, I do have a lot of doctors that talk to me, especially do- um, patients that have had cancer and undergone chemo or surgery and are cancer free. They're still um, they're still very um, you know indecisive and in prescribing any type of, you know, even HRT sometimes. Um, but at that point, um, I usually ask the, the, the medical practitioners, you know, what's the quality of life of that patient? And, um, you know, are, are, are the compounds we're talking about really going to benefit their quality of life? Because uh, they, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care about quality of life. If they still are doing androgen deprivation therapy, they don't care about quality of life. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's I'm amazed at how common that is. Yeah. And, and so uh, while. I, I, and you're right. I found studies that said that it suppresses. What what people need to understand is around 2008, I did a show about a study that discussed cancer as a highly evolved cell. And while it kills the host, it everything that's good for healthy cells, cancer cells leverage twice. They have they make their own telomerase to keep their telomeres long. They gobble up all the nutrients in in their area. We know about Warburg. Uh, so you can't kill healthy cells just because you want to starve sick cells. That's why chemotherapy, in my opinion, is akin to burning down the house to get a stain off of the carpet. Like, right. you know, you, it really it is. It's, it's wholesale destruction of healthy cells, too. But with that being said, uh, if, if you are someone who doesn't have cancer in, in, in your history and you're eating a ultra low or low carb diet. Maybe you're doing keto. Maybe you're doing paleo. Maybe you're doing uh, carnivore, especially. I don't see a problem unless you've been diagnosed with a cancer, uh, of using thymus and beta four, not recklessly, uh, just very sp- specific cycles throughout the year because according to the rodent studies, it reduces fibrotic tissue dramatically. And that really can that when we look at youth, we think about moving fast, explosively jumping, running, being able to. That depends on pliable and supple tissue still being in your body. And as you get older, from that metabolic debris buildup, you start to become you you become like one big scab. Your body becomes a big scab, right. you know. And really, and I think people should consider looking into it. That's all I'm saying. Look into it. That's all. No, I definitely, I definitely think there's a lot to be said about it. It's, it's a, um, you know, it was a very popular peptide when it was available through compounding pharmacies. Um, you know, there's still a lot to be learned about it, and you know, I've, I've got nothing but great things to say about it. 
All right, we're going to promote this one more time, and then we're going to pull the plug. And also, email me at onair at superhumanradio.net if you want Justin to come on and talk specifically about something else that you're interested in, whether it's drug-related or peptide-related. So go to shrnetwork.biz slash Nutraneeds, N-U-T-R-A-N-E-E-D-S, and use the code SHR for 10% off. Get yourself a bottle of BPC. Who knows? You could take that one bottle, and all of a sudden, things will just disappear, things that have been bothering you. So check it out, show him love, because he is a sponsor. And remember, the sponsors make this show possible. So if you learn one thing on a show, it's already helped you. And secondly, share this show, because you never know whose life you can change by sharing it. Justin, thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, thanks a ton, Carl. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. All right, we'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Take care.